2: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details.
1: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Hey, it's Greg Rosenthal. Get ready for a big-time show today. Before we get to it, we're going to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, FanDuel. The fantasy football season is not over. You might think it's over, but you can play in one-week leagues at FanDuel.com. .com. Matt Nichols from Ohio turned a $25. Joey Watts.
2: <laughs> died. No,
3: it's not Joey Watts. Joey Watts Maddie. is old news. Matty Nicks turned a $25 deposit into over twenty-five dollars That's a lot of cash that you can win at FanDuel.com. Only two weeks left to play in this NFL season. Go to FanDuel.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use our code AROUND and sign up now. You got a new user special is giving you a bonus of up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. So just go there. It's good for the first 50 people that use our code AROUND. Again, don't forget to use our code AROUND. You can do all this at FanDuel.com. Now on to the show.
0: The Around the NFL Podcast are the ones who knock.
4: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan.
2: W- one thing, we know that Joey Watts has <laughs> hes spent all this money by now, obviously, right? <laughs> Guy's probably wandering around <laughs> the streets somewhere.
3: How dare you uh, talk uh, about a, Joey like that? A young like guy
2: that. suddenly handed 30 grand. It's you not can, a good You
4: could work Matt Nichols into the mix here, but Joey Watts will be the guy I always think of when I think of FanDuel.com. Sign up today. Uh, welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, we have a great show for you today. This is now two days out from Wild Card Weekend, so we will start looking towards this Sunday's game, uh, the Divisional Playoffs. Uh, which there are a lot of juicy subplots. Greg, you're excited about all these games, I know. This is
3: the best weekend in sports. Saturday, Sunday, four straight games, eight, really seven teams with a chance to win a title. I'm not going to put the Panthers in there, but whatever. What? Awesome. I think everyone That's else can do it. Well, you better watch Panthers out. Panthers have a
5: better chance <laughs> than the
3: Ravens. Ha- well, they, they gotta, what, they're going to win in Seattle and Green Bay. Game it break. happen. Be back to car- back. Be careful, uh, you Grab know. Grab the reins, Dan. Yeah, I
4: was gonna say, be careful <laughs> putting down the Panthers. You might have low-grade shock jocks out of Carolina trying to bring you down on Twitter. Has <laughs> happened with me with at Kroger. Clown. You don't
3: want to mess with Kroger.
4: That's what one of his <laughs> listeners uh, uh, tweeted at me. He's like, "You mess with Kroger, <laughs> you mess with Doom." Something I was like, "I was okay." It okay, was. Pa- it was
2: sort of paralyzing your work day. At one point, it was, it was just it because there attention.
4: was. Just I, Wes, you would be proud of me. I really went went to town with my block button for the first time ever, because so many Panthers fans How did it felt feel? that I was felt pretty good. Uh, no, I know, gotta it's, say. It's fun. By
3: the way, I I believe in these Panthers, but you know, winning in Seattle and Green Bay back to back would be the biggest upset any team's ever done in the playoffs. You
2: believe in them? The, the one out of eight teams that's going no, nowhere, because
3: according
2: to you. Yes. I, I feel Fair there's enough. a sense of contradiction there. <laughs> yeah. On
3: today's show, we will.
4: Uh, Go through. We're going to talk about four big concerns, so one from each of us about one of these uh, eight teams that are playing this weekend. So uh, we're going to talk about four big concerns from these games coming up. Uh, Also, we're going to touch uh, – we're going to check in on the mailbag. Uh, I sent out a prompt for some uh, questions, so we're going to have a mailbag up on NFL.com. But also, I'm going to share some questions with the group here. We'll answer some. And uh, but before we get to any of that, it is that time when we check in with TD. How you doing, buddy?
6: What's going on, fellas? Does anyone know what that money tag was? I have no idea. Oh, well, I know it's Breaking Bad. Yeah, there you go. Anyone? Just
5: I'm not dad? a
3: Breaking Bad. Well, I was I was still coming off the high of that Fanduel read, so I wasn't really mm, paying attention. I'm That's still
5: it. trying to get through the first season of Breaking Bad, which. When you watch that first season, you have no idea what people are talking about when they call it one Ooh, of the best yeah. series of all time.
4: It's the, I want to say it's the worst season, but I get, you're not the first person I've heard say that, but stick in it and it will get really good. I'm the one who knocks is one of the great lines in television history. Uh, TD, time for some news, buddy, so let's do it. Uh, phrasing?
5: <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, some archer action. <laughs> Very well done,
4: TD. Just for the record, TD asked me to say "Let's do it" so he could drop it on me. So he kind of set me up for it, but that's cool. Uh, phrasing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I've actually gotten many tweets people saying that I sound like that guy, H. John Benjamin.
5: That's a high compliment.
4: I know. I'm very happy to hear it. Um, I'd say
5: you sound more like H. John Benjamin than you look like John Hamm.
4: Well, listen, that is your opinion, <laughs> but a, a highly influential casting agent. <laughs> in uh, the Los Angeles area, disagrees. All right, so let's get into it, and we'll start with the big news out of Washington where there is a new general manager, Scott McLuhan, McLuhan has been hired as the Redskins' new GM. Uh, This is a big hire. McLuhan obviously had some success uh, early in his career with the Niners and the Seahawks, uh, went away for a while, had some personal problems, but now pops back up He takes over uh, as GM, which, uh, Greg, leads to a big shakeup in that organization, one that probably was overdue.
3: Well, it's a good sign that they're bringing in someone – with a clear track record of picking football players, Bruce Allen's never been that guy. And I don't think he even really was pretending to. He had the title of general manager, but he essentially just was managing the personnel staff. He's done well everywhere he's been. I would say it's a great move, and and it makes a lot of sense, but it's the Redskins. And so anytime the Redskins make a move, I just assume what has been rotting in that organization for a decade will continue to rot and ruin anything that comes into it.
2: We, were like, we watched that press conference from Bruce Allen last week, which was one of the tipping point most awkward cringy. press conferences I've seen in a long time. But maybe something came from that. He was pressed so hard that he promised they were going to do something. They asked what, and he's like, well, you know, our charitable organizations are very <laughs> strong. He's like, hey, you're not answering any of the questions. And they went out and they got someone who, with San Francisco and Seattle— very interesting like player evaluator. He's he, done a great job. He helped build
5: three straight conference championships with the uh, 49ers, or conference championship games for the 49ers. Then he helped build a Super Bowl champion for the Seahawks. This guy's one of the best talent evaluators in the NFL.
3: Right, and I, I was knocking it because it's the Redskins, but you have to make moves like this. We, we're hearing that Wade Phillips has a good chance to become – uh, the defensive coordinator and I really like that move too. Phillips has been great as a coordinator wherever he's been. So those those two things, some optimism. Yeah, but you're right. It's the Redskins. Well, yeah, but c-
2: how do you turn things around? Because we no, could say, you say yeah it's the Browns, yeah it's the Jets, yeah it's, it's the Jaguars. different. They don't have I mean, they do don't you- have
3: cor- corrosive ownership for the last decade. At least the Browns do. I mean haven't. They have they have a new ownership. Well that's fair. And and Bruce Allen is still there. He's McLuhan's boss. I mean and Allen still has the same boss that's been there forever. So that that hasn't changed.
5: I like that Bruce Allen failed at his job, so he got a promotion. Is that what happened? Well,
2: he already was the pre- he was already in a presidential role. Oh, okay. He, he
3: yeah, he he's been there, and look, he ran. He seems more like a business guy. Someone was explaining why is Bruce Allen going to be there forever, and they talked about the training camp deals that he's worked out that's made them millions and millions of dollars, and the sponsorships and stuff like that. Things we don't even think about, but if it's putting twenty million dollars in Dan Snyder's pocket, he's happy with Bruce that's Allen. Odd.
5: His father was a Hall of Fame football coach and yeah
2: he's not known for his football acumen well we don't all do what our fathers do well how, the, many, how many how many of our fathers were on podcasts 20 years ago my dad was a <laughs> mailman well <laughs> father
3: sons have worked out great for the redskins you know the shanahans uh the schottenheimers uh yeah. the allens I, it's terrific <laughs> moving on more front office news
4: nfl media insider ian rapaport known as Rap Sheet reported Tuesday that Mike Tannenbaum will take over the football operations of the Miami Dolphins, effective February 1st. Uh, this was a move after, you know, he's the former Jets GM, as we know. Also, a friend of the podcast. Maybe we could uh, parlay this into some
3: insider heat. For the Around the NFL podcast. First ever uh, podcast guest to subsequently get hired as a general manager. There you go. Or whatever so connect called. the dots there. Uh, Tannenbaum <laughs> was a Dolphins consultant
4: last summer, and now he's on the, uh, on the payroll in a more substantial manner. And the Hickster, uh, their GM, Dennis, Hicksy, uh, Dennis Hickey, will report to Tannenbaum. So a little shake up there in their management.
2: Well, he may not report for him, to him for very long. I mean, mm. he'll probably be around through the draft and stuff, but don't you feel that this is a, it's like a football czar to some degree? And I, I, I wonder, I can't help but wonder if the Dolphins owner is saying, why did I three weeks ago tell everyone that Philbin would be back? <laughs> what why What does this I have do to that? do with that? I, I mean, he should what does feel he have that do way anyways. anyways. Because you're bringing a football czar in, in theory, to not just sit around and collect a paycheck, but maybe tell you midway through the season next year, these guys have got to go.
3: I don't think they're bringing in Tannenbaum for his scouting skills. I mean, no, he, he's, was he's closer no. to the Bruce Allen mold, and he's shown that he knows the business of sports very well. He's you know, quitting a lucrative job as an agent of coaches. He's that co-
4: seemed to be a burgeoning
2: uh, second He's career. the coach of
3: Dan Quinn, so he's going to have another big-time head coaching hire that, that he will be responsible for and at least get the commission for, but then he'll move into this role. So
2: the Jets will be organizing Dan Quinn's contract with the football czar of the Miami Dolphins.
3: He is not officially, He's I the think, starting until the Dan Quinn contract is done, yes.
4: I like that you actually called Tannenbaum the coach of Dan Quinn. Is there something <laughs> that we need to know
3: that you are holding out right now? That was just a slip of the tongue, but what a surprise, and a pleasant surprise. I would not have guessed that Tannenbaum, after leaving the Jets and the way that that ended, would have not only... Um, gotten another good job, but really a promotion. I mean, this is a big-time job. This is essentially the type of job that Bill Parcells used to have in Miami.
4: Greg Rosenthal in an exclusive interview with Dean Blandino, at least for a oh, few minutes. You're changing the subject Yeah, here, I'm moving on. Okay. At least for a few minutes, you had an exclusive with <laughs> Dino Blandino the vice president of officiating, in which you discussed
3: the play, the pass. I don't ex- like the word exclusive. Twenty-five people have the same interview, and they all call it Greg exclusive. Greg Rosen, he's playing exclusive. To that. He's playing. To no, that. because what happened was Blendino, Dino,
4: Blendino talked to fourteen straight media outlets about the past interference call between Dallas and Detroit, um, but talked to Greg first. So it's some at, for a small window, it was an exclusive. <laughs> well, I
2: liked that Greg also was wise enough to. You know, burrow his way into Rich Eisen's office so that when <laughs> Dean Blandino saw the call coming, I don't want to get. Eisen.
3: I don't want to get in trouble here. You know, I well, don't, we always. Eisen use might, that l- I, Eisen might listen to this and not be it. too happy. But look, he's not in that office. I need, I need some space. I don't have an office. I need that's to get go to.
4: That's the other thing. You are <laughs> the boss. What are you doing in the cubicles with the rest of us? Well,
3: that's a question for, you know, shadowy
4: league figures. That's true. Anyway. Greg in the cube. So Greg and Dino on the phone together. And uh, Blendino acknowledges that the pass interference call that was made against the Cowboys in their win over the Lions on Sunday and then was picked up. The flag was picked up and it kind of started a chain of events that led to the Cowboys eventually winning that game called it debatable. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: he called it whatever something that's already been happening a debate raging I, across the country
4: I certainly could have supported it if they left the flag down I wouldn't have supported the I would have supported the foul but I think it's a close judgment call where you have two officials differing uh, with differing opinions on it. And he basically said that, by the way, yes, it was a holding before the pass interference. He said that on total or on uh, the Aftermath. and That was Network. not exclusive to Greg <laughs> Rosenthal. Uh, and, yeah, he, he talked about the Des Bryant play, also on TA, uh, that Des Bryant ran on the field during that whole situation and, and said that wasn't necessarily a penalty, uh, but he would have supported if they threw the flag.
3: Well, and he also – the key to me was when he said he would have preferred they kept the flag down. So he, he was saying – He thinks it was a penalty, but in judgment calls like this, this can happen. And where he was the strongest was really saying how the communication broke down, that they never should have announced the penalty in the first place. One guy's announcing it while the other two are talking about whether this is actually a penalty or not. And he should have explained and made it more clear when he announced uh, the correction. Apparently he did, and people at the stadium heard it, but it was very quick and the broadcast missed it.
5: So, on one play, you had defensive holding by Anthony Hitchens, pass interference by Anthony Hitchens, and unsportsmanlike conduct on Des Bryant, <laughs> and none of the three got called.
3: That's fair. The Bryant one was probably... Well, that's accurate. The Bryant one was... Probably the one I have he the least. Came onto
5: the field without a helmet.
3: The helmet has nothing to do with it I mean, yeah. because he's not in the game. Unless he's in the game. <laughs> they They explain that, that, you know, of course he doesn't have a helmet because he's not in the game. The helmet only has to do with if you're in the game at the time. And that is a use of discretion that I actually think is okay. Like in that big of a spot in the playoffs, like – if he's not doing something like pushing or going crazy, it's like, do you really want to give a team 15 yards for that? I have no problem with him not penalizing Des Bryant. And I get, I, I think we talked about this Sunday,
4: but I'll repeat myself. I get Lions fans being pissed about how this all played out. You have every right to go into the offseason with a bitter taste in your mouth. But still, even after that whole situation went all Dallas' way, eight minutes on the clock, three-point lead, fourth and one at midfield, your ball. Right. Your punter, your coach calls a punt, your punter kicks it 10 yards, and then your defense can't make a stop, and then Matthew Stafford can't lead them back down the that's field. That's a lot of things. I they had know. a lot of and, shots to turn it around. You're
2: absolutely right. And I and even our own Lions fan, Kevin Patcher, is the first to point out that you don't just point to that penalty and say that's the end of the game. It didn't happen in the final 10 seconds. But a complete, a complete breakdown of... From officiating in a huge yes. spot for a team that hasn't won a playoff games since the the Bill Clinton White House, yeah, the fan base has a right to be irritated. Of course, that's what I said. But it's not. No, the, I'm it, not. I'm not disagreeing with you. But it's, it's not. Like, but tuck- it's not. We just turn around, right, and say, well, they didn't handle the. Re-. It's like right. we get it. We it's all talk- get that
3: there were eight more minutes. Of it's the talked game. about like it was the Tuck rule, though, where it's like that's the play that changed the game, and and it is a play that changed the game, and it was definitely one of the biggest plays that changed the game. But there were. There were seven or eight plays that changed the game after that. Right. Did Remember, not decide the game. Sure.
5: Remember a couple of months ago when I bailed on Jim Caldwell, or a month ago? Mm-hmm. This is right. He Fourth and one, and he has no stones. Right. And Jim I, Caldwell is one of the most conservative game managing coaches in the NFL, and it's going to come back to haunt the Lions for years as long as he's there.
3: And I, I got into a, an argument with Bucky Brooks, who we're big fans of here on the podcast, of course, about, you know, <laughs> your your boy. Boy. <laughs> he, he said you had to punt there. And no, you and all I'm thinking is, look at the Ravens in, in John Harbaugh. They were up 20-9 to nine in the fourth quarter at midfield and had a fourth down, and they went for it. I mean that and stones. M- Break out the stones. It's January, right? And you and you trust in your offense. You trust in your offense. And that's line.
2: what Garrett did with the Cowboys, right? In a fourth down situation, he let his players go out there and make the plays. Uh,
4: speaking of the Cowboys, let's hit this real quick. Mark Jerry Jones. You know, Chris Christie was up in that box, uh, the Jerry Jones box. He was celebrating. In the box. He was into it. He was way into it. He got left hanging on a high ten, which is very rare. It's very hard to get left hanging on a high ten. If you think about it. Uh, Chris Christie is a big man, so he's got a big width, too. So he's holding up his arms and ten fingers out or, you know, paws. Like, the big pause out wide berth. And you right miss there. everything. You miss the whole thing. Uh, so he's you got, got left a big catch there. radius. Yes. And uh, but anyway, point being, Chris Christie was a big story after that game uh, celebrating with Jarrah. And then Jones said on Tuesday, Chris Christie is, quote, part of our mojo. I want him there all the way. I don't know how we can even think about going up there, referring to Lambeau Field, without him. Your thoughts, Mark?
2: Well, I mean, I think that it's it okay. You haven't been in the playoffs for one a playoff game outside of once since the mid-'90s. You got a big, jolly old man rolling with you in the box. You bring him to the next game. It's a little bit, though. I mean, the people of New Jersey, there's various people in outrage because this is happening – isn't it's, he busy? He's already lost the Michigan primary. He is not. He is not <laughs> you, busy.
4: Like we're not we're not political folk around here, not but if you're is. the governor of some state that's 1000 miles away from Dallas, you're busy,
0: right? Need, you got
3: to be a afternoon. There's, you're just hanging
0: there's out.
5: There's one important thing I need to know here. Is he from Texas? No. no. He's the worst. I hate Cowboys fans who aren't from Texas. Well, that's like, Give like it a half grip. Of, that's at least 80% yeah. of He's Cowboys representative fans. of all these bandwagon hangers
2: on that Show up in a
5: box. Give me a break showing up in the box. It's well,
2: crazy. when you're asking for Giants fans to show up and, you know, pull the lever for you next time you're running for it's office. It's like the goofy kid you grew up with, I mean, in, in our age. Like, you would know this one guy in your class who was
5: like a Yankees fan, a Florida State fan, and a Cowboys fan. And like a Lakers fan. Yeah. That
3: was like, always right, the
5: combo.
6: You <laughs> this guys, guys just described creep. Michael Fabiano, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if the
3: food <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> We can, we'll we can have to leave that, that. that wes out because
4: there's some <laughs> profanity involved. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, so Chris Christie going to be at Lambeau Field, I guess, celebrating again if the Cowboys step up in that big spot. So let's move on. The Cincinnati Bengals out of the playoffs. West of has come, and Wes is back here, which is really I'm a little bit relieved, to be honest with you, because I
3: know he had a great day on Sunday celebrating West of us. We should hear a little bit. How was West of for you? West of for new listeners – Don't know. That's the annual uh, celebration by Chris Wesseling when the Bengals lose in the first round of the playoffs.
5: It was glorious. It was epic. Um, I was with good company. We were enjoying the game. The game went as scripted. I was a little bit more nervous this year than other years because so many people were on the Bengals can't have nice things bandwagon. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, too many people knew about it, so it had me a little bit nervous, but I think it played out as I expected. You cannot pick a team that has Andy Dalton over a team that has Andrew Luck. It's just, it's anathema.
4: Especially given what Dalton was dealing with in terms of supporting cast. But I will say this, uh, Marvin Lewis spoke at his press conference, season-ending press conference on Monday, and he doubled down on Andy Dalton. So, Mark, I know you suggested potentially Sunday they should start thinking beyond Andy Dalton. If Marvin Lewis is there, that is not happening. Here is... Uh, The quote on Dalton's season from Marvin Lewis, I think that he continued to grow, which is is great. I think that working with a new influence with Hugh Jackson and so forth to see that relationship continue to grow forward. Andy had a lot of pressure on his plate coming into the season, and he dealt with it and handled it, and he won another 10 football games.
2: This is why this is a reliable holiday for Chris Wesley to celebrate (laughs) every January because Um, the Bengals organization is not going to strive for more.
5: I was listening to the podcast mm. while I was riding my bike to Malibu yesterday. It's you. And I agreed with both of you guys, with Dan, that he, I, I give Andy Dalton a complete pass for this game. I don't judge him harshly one bit when you have – you're missing Marvin Jones, Tyler Eifert, A.J. Green, and Jermaine Gresham. You've got – the Greg L- – Reads off a list, and Dan thought he was making up some of the names. <laughs> Kobe Hamilton. I mean, he gets a complete pass for me. Any quarterback would when your when your team just isn't there. I mean, to me, he gets a complete pass. But I agree with Mark also. We've seen four years of this. We know what Andy Dalton's going to do, and I fully expect him to have a, a really good year next year with all those guys healthy and then to lose in the first lose, round of the playoffs. Lose his <laughs> other comment. Ye-
4: yesterday I don't uh, – referring to Sunday – I don't attribute as much to the quarterback as guys did not respond. I think the quarterback did what he could do to get it done. So not only did he let Dalton up the hook – basically said Dalton was fine. It's all these other fine. guys I
3: needed to step up. Oh. That well, that's because Dalton played about as well as Dalton could play in that scenario. But that's not a good thing.
5: But if you gave <laughs> Luck the Bengals offense and Dalton the Colts offense, Luck
2: still beats him. I think I so. I completely agree. And I don't think it was just about that game. That's not right. even what we were saying on Sunday. It's like we know what this quarterback ceiling was after the first season. And the bar is so low on Andy Dalton that people want to give excuses to him over and over and over. Keep him around, give him another well, year.
3: What he needs is the Seahawks defense with him. And instead he has the team that's last in the league in sacks. So that's it's just not gonna add up that and way. Here's the
4: tricky thing. I'm from New York. I know how that uh fan base would react to another year of Dalton after how this season ended. I don't know how it would be in Cincinnati, but I would think that you're going to start hearing boo birds if Dalton does goes into a funk next year, and it's going to, the pressure is going to mount to get him out of I can, town.
5: I can report from the front line. I was there for Christmas, and not one Bengals fan I knew thought they were going to win this game. They knew who Andy Dalton is. They knew who Marvin Lewis is. And they're frustrated by Lewis, but they also know that Marvin Lewis has a record over 500 with the Bengals, and all other Bengals coaches combined under Mike Brown have a record about 250.
4: Mm. Mm. (laughs) Other Bengals news. So Geno Atkins, that's a name we didn't bring up a lot this year. He came back from that ACL tear, but wasn't the same guy. Only had three sacks in the middle of that uh, defensive line. Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator, uh said some interesting things uh, per ESPN this week after the game uh this year he was just a three technique number 20 in my mind referring I suppose to his rankings amongst defensive tackles he was just a guy out there and then he added this we need to get him back to where he was being that game record there inside otherwise we need to go find a new inside rusher that hey, put that wow. guy on blast it, well, he was ranked surprised. number
2: 20 by pro football focus I, mean, I, I that's what Gunther was pointing oh, to at number twenty, which I found interesting to even reference. That might maybe the, the question
4: site. set up that, and then he responded. who puts
2: Gunther on blast? Yeah, well,
4: that's all, I mean they were eleventh in total defense. Well, not Marvin this Lewis, year. who
2: said that Gunther did a better job than he did in his first year as defensive coordinator.
3: But I, th- I mean, I, I'm surprised that Gunther was that aggressively pointed at. You don't say that unless there's something going on with his effort level or something that you don't that you're not happy about. If a guy is doing everything he can, and that's the result. I don't think he makes that comment. But this is a player, Geno Atkins, that's paid like a superstar. I mean, he's paid like one of the best guys, and he's coming off a torn ACL. But there's not there's not a lot of argument here. He had a he had an OK season. He he was like a solid starter. He was not a star by any means.
2: and like you mentioned, he's not alone. The whole team let Andrew Luck just roam around in circles till he wanted to throw the ball. It's ridiculous.
3: Moving
4: on, the Indianapolis Colts are in the midst of glory days. They went from Peyton Manning straight to Andrew Luck and Jim Ursay in a state of the franchise type press conference on Tuesday, thanked a particular player for that maurice maurice jones drew uh drew on january 1st 2011 torched the colts for 169 yards on 25 carries <laughs> Indy lost the game secured the top pick allowed them to draft andrew luck and Ursay uh, said tuesday he changed our destiny which is accurate
5: it's fair it's a good thing i wasn't on the podcast sunday night because i would have um been full of vitriol over Andrew Luck critics, which to me, how how are there <laughs> Andrew Luck critics? Who is who are they? I've not even I've not even run into them. Greg Bedard, Greg Rosenthal, oh,
3: Elliot See you Ellie and Harrison. See the thing is you take you take one bit of like mild criticism ever and that's all you remember. I'm it's jo- like, I'm
5: joking it, about you. But, right, but, but I, why would Greg Bedard write an article saying Luck isn't great when he clearly is great already? Elian Harrison ripping on him for turnovers. Give me a break. Look at who he he doesn't have an offensive line. For most of the year, Reggie Wayne wasn't himself. T- T.Y. Hilton was out for a little bit. Dwayne Alton was out for a while. He didn't have the weapons. Why pick on a good quarterback when there are so many bad quarterbacks to pick on?
3: And he had his best game of the year in the playoffs. I thought that was his he, be- best performance.
5: He was making throws that no other quarterback makes.
3: I, I agree. And I love the, the Jones-Drew reference by Ursay because I, I love these little – Turned, I we should almost do an article about it. It seems like something Damashek would be good at. Like the five they games, you know, that changed the course of NFL history just for draft seeding stuff like that cuz you don't really think of it at the time like Tampa this year when they totally I, I mean I think they gave that game away on purpose. May, maybe that's going to be their moment. It was smart. Right. But instead it was, it was Jones Drew and I remember that though. I think it was on NFL Network. Clinched, no, no, wait, that was the week before. Clinched the rushing title for MJD, too, and then he oh, was never the same. That was the
6: end of the road for MJD. Jim Fossil on a coach's show this week. He was a co-host on a coach's show. Wait, the what? The coach's show, man. Oh, yeah. That's, Get with it. That's good. Well, um, well, he we, mentioned Andrew Luck. Well, that's
3: Luck. a podcast, right? Because no one listening knows about it. Oh, so yeah. we should, okay. Let's, <laughs> it so is that's a podcast. Okay, yes. cool.
6: With Coach Brian Billick and Mooch, we had Jim Fossil co-host, and he did say he believes Andrew Luck will be the best quarterback ever.
2: I didn't even hear I believe. It was just he will be the greatest quarterback ever. TD, I want a a number is the answer to this question. How many times during the coaches podcast have you broken in to remind something – to them that happened on this podcast? A number is the answer. <laughs> yeah. Z Drizzle's cracking up in the background.
6: <laughs> what's the answer? Uh, let's say the same as Andy Dalton playoff wins. All right, so your your <laughs> mic has been cut for the, the
5: rest I of like, the podcast. Wow. I like this idea. Next time you're like, well, Mooch, Mark Sessler said on the, <laughs> yeah, <around> the <laughs> NFL right. podcast, you might want to take some notes here. Wait, is that my pool boy? <laughs> not holding my breath. <laughs> All right, so that
4: is what's happening in the NFL. Okay, guys. Let's move on. The divisional playoffs are here, and we're going to talk about four big concerns that we have. So one from each of us. This is a video, and TD has done a great job here. He's going to throw some video up. It's very exciting. TD, I lift the veil. I, I said that you couldn't speak anymore after you 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 know went against us for the coaches show again, but now you could
6: speak. Yeah, it's just uh, this is something we're trying out new. I'm here back here with Z Drizzle and Rob Crowder. And we figured, hey, we have this big TV screen behind Mm -hmm. us. Why not use it for a video segment?
4: Great for the podcast. I like to Yeah,
6: check it out.
4: Um, So, yeah, so we're going to each take a concern, and we're going to start with Chris Wessling, who wants to look at the team uh, in Carolina and the quarterback specifically.
5: Well, my biggest concern is Cam Newton's mechanics. He looked like a human corkscrew throwing last week. Hmm. Throwing off his back foot, he doesn't get any weight on his front foot. TD's going to throw up some video back here of – Cam Newton throwing off his front, off his back foot, and he loses accuracy. He does this. I'm sure Greg's seen this on film. He does this several times a year. I thought the Panthers should have shut out the Cardinals, and mm. one of the main reasons they didn't was Cam Newton was incredibly inaccurate in this game. Overthrew Ed Dixon a couple of times, threw wide of Kelvin Benjamin. He was all over the map with his throws, and I think this is this is a team that can hang with the Seahawks as long as Cam Newton is pinpoint accurate. He has to play much better. Is that doesn't sound like
2: something that's suddenly going to get fixed here in uh, early January? It happens
3: sometimes, though, because I I think the thing that defines Cam Newton right now is he is the streakiest quarterback in the NFL. So he can have it going for a game at a time. You don't want him throwing forty throws, but he can even in this in, even in this Cardinals game, I think he made five or six really great throws that a lot of quarterbacks couldn't make. Uh, so maybe he gets a good streak.
5: Well, look back to your uh, one of your quarterback indexes from mid October. You had Cam Newton as a top five. Yeah, NFL that was embarrassing. Let's not bring that up. But you were saying what the <laughs> film was showing. He he was passing better <laughs> early in the season than he ever had
3: in his career.
4: All right, Greg. We will now talk about another quarterback in New England. His name is. Tom Brady.
3: Well, you're trying to get me scared about this, Tom Brady versus the Baltimore Ravens matchup. And the one reason I am a little concerned about it, and now we're going to be showing the video here, is the offensive line. And it's no secret the recipe to beating Tom Brady, is by getting pressure to him, and this Baltimore Ravens front seven is playing really well. It's not just Terrell Suggs and Elvis Dumerville, it's Brandon Williams, Nada had a very nice game last week, Courtney Upshaw, who's not known as a pass rusher, had a very nice game last week against Pittsburgh, so you look at what the Patriots' offensive line did in December, and that's all I can go off of. They struggled with a big defensive line against the Jets, they struggled... Up and down, really, throughout the month, and now I think they have a very tough matchup up front. You're going to have to get the ball out of Brady's hands quickly. I think that's a concern, at least. Am I crazy? Not crazy. It was a little long-winded, but that was crazy. I think they
5: should just give the game to the Ravens. No, don't, don't even play it. Everyone, <laughs> everyone assumes the Ravens are going to win because
3: they have the Patriots number. I don't
5: think everyone assumes. I, I have a feeling Does
4: no one might in take here the. Ravens think here. the Ravens will win. Here's what I think Wes is saying. I think. I don't think everyone assumes the Ravens are going to win, but I think a lot of people are assuming this is going to be another field goal type game. And you, Wes, believe everybody's getting a little too excited about this Ravens All team. we've
5: heard since Saturday night is, oh, this is the last team the Patriots <laughs> wanted to play. The team that had to beat Connor Shaw and have the Chargers lose to get into the playoffs. <laughs> is the last team, the 13-3 and three or 12-4 and four Patriots who – are way better on defense than they've been, what, in a decade? Well, and they
3: have Gronk, which That's, has not been a factor in these other Ravens games. People a little unfair, forget. though, Wes, because I know they didn't have Le'Veon Bell,
4: but the Steelers were your boys, and they went into that building and whipped them, they beat them
5: right, pretty easily. Right, they didn't easily. have Le'Veon Bell.
4: Okay, but come on. That's you, pretty
5: huge. They had, a, right, they had saying, a great
4: game. Who'd you game. pick in well, that game?
5: Right, they they won that game, and now one week over Shadow 17 weeks. We
2: advertised that game as a game where Le'Veon Bell wasn't that important. That's right. not how we said it. Well, that's we, we pitched we to some degree that if there was a game for Le'Veon Bell not to be involved, it would be that one. But
4: back to uh, Greg's point with the offensive line of the Patriots. Yeah, there have been some cracks uh, with this unit, and their offense hasn't been that great in general for a few weeks. So that's part of the reason Greg's a little scared. Six on the peace Excellent. game. I'm kind yes. of saying that I'm scared when I'm really not, That to be honest. <laughs> All right, let's move on next to Mark <laughs> Sessler, who is – uh, he's looking at Lambeau Field. He's excited about this game. But he's looking at the Cowboys running back, DeMarco Murray, and wondering how he will do against that Packers defense. Well, I mean,
2: outside of Mother Nature, number one, you've got to mm-hmm. deal with the Packers' offense. I'm not, I don't know who that is, by the way. That's a – she's a, a woman. She's, very, oh. she's variable. Her behavior is up and down. Okay. Now, I mean, the Packers at home averaging about 39.5 points per game. So the Cowboys got to shorten this game with DeMarco Murray. Here's the video up here. And that's what they've been doing all year. But in the four of his last six games – under four yards per carry. And so the question is, is he wearing down? I'm not sure it's just that. He's been banged That's up here and there. pretty slow-moving DeMarco
5: Murray He right doesn't
2: there. look quite the same. And, Wes, I know you pointed out in weeks past too. And so the question is, can the Cowboys go in and do against Green Bay a defense that four of the games they've – allowed under hard, 100 yards rushing have happened in the second half of the season, held the Patriots to about 85 yards, held the Bucks to 16. It's not the same defense from the start of the season.
4: I think what the point that Wes has been making for a couple of weeks now about Murray maybe not being as explosive is fair, but I thought
3: he ran pretty well. He that, ran that's Sunday. the thing he looks solid is, I yeah. That's I Right, he did. that's what I was saying. I was thinking was like, didn't he look good against Detroit? The but offensive line was a that. little. Mixed. They're
2: going to have to do that all game against Green Bay because Green Bay is going to score points at a different rate than Detroit. So I, that's my concern. Can they play the game that they've, you know, that the way they beat Seattle and other teams I think, this season? Will I do think it? the
4: Cowboys can hang in a shootout with anybody. Now, whether they're going to win a shootout in Lambeau, I don't know about that, but. To your point, I think Murray needs to show up and needs to have what, a good game.
5: What if it never becomes a shootout because the Packers are just that much better than the Cowboys? Could happen. Well, could very, just be, a, it could be a not a shootout. It's here. a very real possibility. It could very be a real big possibility. Score for one team.
4: Yeah. Uh, finally, my big concern heading into Sunday or this weekend is Peyton Manning, uh, his ability to win a potential shootout with Andrew Luck in Denver if it comes to that because when I look at these two teams and uh, – Uh, When I look at these two teams and these two quarterbacks, I see them potentially going in opposite directions. Uh, Manning has not been terrible. When you look at his numbers the last eight games they're not bad so like some of this has been dressed up a little bit to make it look like manning has fallen off the map uh but he's not the same guy he was at the beginning of the season and then i watch luck and i see what andrew luck's been able to do uh especially on on this And i really love the way he played even though his numbers might not reflect that he had one of his best games so this will be a good game to watch to see how manning looks in the playoffs in cold weather that pass. Yeah, I mean he's throw I mean the guy's been throwing floaters. He's leading the league in floaters. That's always been a, an issue with him. But I really think that'll be interesting to see how he plays in this setting against the quarterback that to me is about to surge past him. When you talk about
3: the best QBs in the not game. not the
2: same defense. This, that this Luck video last week.
3: If you watch this video on NFL Now, I mean it's almost hateful towards uh, Manning. It's almost mean. You're just showing the best passes Andrew Luck's ever made and like the worst floaters Peyton Manning. I mean this guy's not a bum. He's still okay, Peyton Manning.
4: That's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't think that. This is a situation where the Broncos are in deep trouble because Peyton Manning is their quarterback. But I wonder if this is the game where the Colts knock off the Broncos and Luck plays much better than Peyton Manning, and it's remembered as this is when Andrew Luck passed Peyton Manning in the passing the torture moment. I don't know, a little bit of a sessor that, that happens. And, uh, you know, it's just, well, that's just how time I feel.
5: Like, you're going the Rosenthal route. You like to look at the big picture
2: and how this will be yeah. seen years down the road. And then Manning yeah. retires. In April, <laughs> as I predicted, since <laughs> August. so there you Oh, go. my gosh, I forgot. Ooh.
4: Mark Sessler has 14 sandwiches riding on that. <laughs> <laughs> Better happen. So, those are four big concerns entering the divisional playoffs. <laughs> and uh, I thought they were all concerning. <laughs> I'm concerned about you guys also
3: and myself. Yeah, if I'm concerned to- Sessler never buttons the collared buttons that they. I mean, they, they're there for a reason. They want you to be. Mm them
2: but you always let it just fly so i'm just supposed to follow all of society's <laughs> rules right this is uh,
3: by the way this is little blue
2: this thing is and about to is be in, blue? in the little, little blue. circular file. This shirt needs to go. You can see through it. I, I have to be honest with you. you got to wear an undershirt with that. It's us. a well, mess. Maybe not. We just did an NFL Now spot with it. Very concerning. I thought that you when know. Santa
3: came. So you're saying there might
4: be nipple in that NFL Now, <laughs> now spot? Or that what? would be unfortunate. I thought, I thought when Santa came that this was one of the shirts that would be retired. I'm no, a little surprised it, to see it again. Ever again.
2: you know, uh, picking <laughs> shirts in the dark at 6 a.m. on the West Coast. I don't know what I show up to work in.
4: Okay, fair enough. All right, let's hit the mailbag before we get out of here. A lot of good stuff as always always from you people You uh, people. that didn't sound very nice <laughs> wow you people you people you're great people i mean you great people see if one word makes a big difference uh so let's go down it uh let's see where do we want to start oh this is an easy one R- ricardo gomes at richie kid uh will west eat his super uh softball pants before the super bowl Yes, Wes will, even if it's like literally the day or two before the Super Bowl. It's coming. Wes, your day of reckoning is near. Your thoughts?
5: I am happy to put this behind me. We've mentioned when it will happen on the podcast several times. Understandably, not all the listeners listen to every single podcast. So 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 it happens Super Bowl
3: week. So maybe it's in in Phoenix. Maybe it'll have some sort of southwest – Chipotle like uh, theme under the softball pants.
5: I like this kind of party. <laughs>
3: just make
4: sure you and Wes. It's up to totally uh, your discretion if you want to wash your pants beforehand or what. But you just got to turn I think them that'd over. Be a to smart
3: me.
5: move. <laughs> My softball career has been on a hiatus for a year, so they are wa- they are washed. They're clean. They're put away in a closet.
4: Uh, Maybe br- I'll wash them again. I brought this up downstairs uh, to you, Wes. This is from Manuk, uh, who is a uh, editor actually for NFL Media. A very good man. Uh, and a you know great man when it comes to socializing. How yeah. would you
5: pronounce his last name, Dan? <laughs> uh
4: This is the question. What is the protocol for throwing a proper playoff party? Uh, how can a random Johnny still keep it playa? I don't, last well, I don't part know. What of, that means? Yeah, uh, you know, he's just he's saying how uh, regular Joe. All right. Mm. That's random like, Johnny is the the uh, millen- millennials version of regular Joe. How can he? Still a keep a vibe. playa. Well, yeah, the like, first thing cool. you do
5: is uninvite anyone who who has playa in their lexicon. <laughs>
2: the so new
4: can
5: come. The
2: great. So anyone under the age of thirty, Wes's party is <laughs> going to be Wes, still
4: Wes is going to be basically
3: a baby boomer party, I think. <laughs>
2: I, I hate it's to be, be a, the Clintons. In I'm
3: West. gonna sound like a Scrooge, but I don't really like watching games with a bunch of other people. If it's gonna be like one or two people and they're kind of focused on the game, that's fun. Yes. But in general, like a group of eight or ten, where half aren't paying that's, attention, I don't like it.
4: This is the this is the mistake that people always make when they, especially Super Bowl parties, because I've been to a yeah. few before I started working here. They they go out of their way to make it like almost like a regular party where you you invite. You know, a lot of people that don't know anything about the, the game, whether it's guys that don't know about sports or girls that don't follow sports. And then they're all sitting around, and they're only in it for the, quote, commercials. And then when the game's <laughs> actually getting to the nitty-gritty, nobody's paying attention. Everybody's drunk or half-drunk or just checked out because it's sounds four like, hours after well, kickoff.
5: Sounds like a good time.
4: And, and then you, <laughs> the real football fans are trying to watch a game, and people are being annoying. So you just keep it tight. Keep it right and make sure everyone's a real football fan nobody I like this kind
2: of party i don't <laughs> feel like anyone in this room likes people that's the that's i like what a I'm select amount of people i
5: i think i, I disagree with you Okay, let's
4: see. I say
2: you have all the fun you can
5: possibly have. Make the day epic. You can always rewatch the game.
2: Have a multiple-room hmm. party where there's a serious television and people watching seriously, but in the rest of the house. Well,
3: especially it's- if it's your team in there, it changes things a little bit. You well,
2: Greg, most of us don't, don't have our team in the Super yes, Bowl every third that's season. It well, never
3: crossed my mind. If the Jets ever <laughs> right. win the Super
2: Bowl, there would be no one there in there the room no
4: party. except for <laughs> my father and my brother probably, and that's it. And it would be a lock on the door, uh-huh. and that's it.
5: I don't think you guys really understand what a party Is you're putting a lot of rules and stipulations Mm.
4: on okay,
2: Wes? (laughs) Have a party, (laughs) have a bash. That's what I'm saying. By the way,
4: if that's what you're saying, I would not have a party at all. Just I just
2: just suggested a multi room event where (laughs) everyone of every mood could have fun. (laughs) That's very democratic. (laughs) Uh,
4: All right, so this is from Tom Marshall, one of our UK listeners. Love our UK listeners at Red Zona. Ooh, I like that. Red Zona, UK. If Jerry Jones invited you into his suite for a playoff game, would you go? Could you handle the exposure? This is a callback to earlier in the podcast we were talking about Chris Christie getting left hanging on a high 10 and getting ridiculed for being there. Would you want to be in that box if you were invited?
3: Of course. People that say no to experiences that they, they couldn't otherwise have, I mean, those are the people that don't they don't live at all. You gotta go. That'd be fun.
2: I'm with Greg. I'm Wes <laughs> is going to say
3: no. I know
5: it. No, I'm, I'm actually going to say it, yes, which just makes to see me a, a hypocrite for well, so about Chris. Just, just to see what's going
3: on there. I mean, it would be a crazy spot to be. I agree
5: with Greg. You have to take advantage of these experiences in life when they come up.
4: It's a two-part question. So I would absolutely go if asked, but could I handle the exposure? I don't know if I could. I'd be very nervous about the 800 mm. Fox cutaways to me in the booth. I'd have to be <laughs> on my best behavior at all times. Watch how I'm, how much I'm drinking. Don't pick your nose. Don't get left hanging on a high 10. That's a lot of pressure. What
5: if you were on bifocal cleansing duty? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be that guy.
4: That's I, I, That's a, Yeah, I want to see what's going on with that guy, the bifocal <laughs> cleaning guy. I want to know what Jerry's drinking. I want to know what he's saying about Jason Garrett during the game. There's a lot of fun stuff to take out of that. Moving on, this is from Sarah Peters, one of our favorites, at Indie Sarah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers came out recently and uh, in an interview said that he quotes The Prince's Bride, the uh, 1987 romantic comedy classic, a lot to teammates. A lot of them have no idea what he's talking about Mm. uh, because most of them weren't even born when that movie came out. In your estimation, Sarah Peters asks, which movie
3: have you seen and or quoted the most? Well, those are much different answers, aren't they? I don't know. You guys start.
5: I think I've seen Casablanca the most, probably (laughs) quoted... Caddyshack, Animal House, one of those two. Wait, Uncle Humor on wait,
4: Dan. Casablanca is the movie you've seen the most? Yes, yeah. Really? Yeah. How are you not married yet, you old cad, you romantic old dog? <laughs> well, we're we're going to dig into another podcast gotta, on that. i got
3: to think about uh,
4: that. I will jump in. I will, The movie I've seen the most and probably quoted the most is The Naked Gun starring Leslie Nielsen, 1988. Comedy classic. If you've not seen it, you have to see it. Uh, I've used so many of the lines from that movie over and over again and probably in an Aaron Rodgers way where people don't even
3: know what I'm talking about half the time Greg
2: Dan draws a parallel between himself and the greatest quarterback <laughs> in football. well
3: I'm trying to come up with the right answer and I think it has to be a movie that I would have watched 30 something times before I was even 15 because that's the that's the most and I think the the answers there are, are might be summer school you oh, remember, wow! You remember *Summer School*? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think I probably watched that about thirty times. I mm. definitely haven't quoted it a lot since. I'm not really a, a quoting movie type. I I always <laughs> no, you're not. I, I, <laughs> I always make that joke about uh, one rib from *I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker*. So maybe that. I don't know.
4: All right, that's good. good.
3: And finally, Mark Zaslav.
4: I'm at a loss. I don't <laughs> I don't know.
2: I don't. I love I love movies, but I don't go around quoting them. I just don't. I don't. Right, answer to the one? first one. The first I, one. I, I'm with Casa Greg. As, No, I think as a kid, I probably saw Singular. Empire Strikes Back <laughs> like 87 times. It's got to be up in the in the mix. Thin Red Line, I've seen about 25 Ooh, times. Ooh, that's a good one. TD, I've you seen are that
4: about eight a legitimate times. cinephile, at least for popcorn movies directed by directed by Jerry Bruckheimer.
6: That's and Michael not an I'm not a fan of Bruck- Bruckheimer uh, at all. What is at the all. movie you've seen the most and quoted the most? <sighs> the Def- movie I've seen the most definitely has to be The Lion King. Probably done a few okay. quotes from that, People but I would like say that. movie I've probably quoted the most is uh, American Gangster. Wow, Denzel Washington. It's a really, really good movie.
3: It's I do like the great movie. soundtrack. Yeah, it's a good mm-hmm.
5: film. That's one problem. of those
4: movies I really liked it in the theater and then just never saw it again.
5: I just remembered the one I probably quote the most: okay. Tombstone.
4: Let's hear a quote. It's your favorite quote off it?
5: I mean, the easiest one is "I'm your huckleberry."
3: Oh, I. Really I'll,
5: bro- <laughs> I'll blow you right up that wildcat's ass.
3: I've never even seen Tombstone, oh, nor have I.
2: Oh, you guys are missing. Great. You've never Great seen movie. it, Dan? No. Wow. My You'd favorite
4: like Naked Gun line is, I realize that Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Drebin, rest in peace. All right, finally, this is, we're going to go again back to our newsroom, David Ely, uh, one of our favorite guys down in the newsroom, uh, eternally single but a really good catch. <laughs> Somebody give David Ely I like Ely that a call. none of these questions have anything to do with football. How long <laughs> do you need to keep a New Year's resolution before it's not that embarrassing to break? Does January 5th count?
5: I think one day everybody breaks. I think it's understood that when you make a New Year's resolution, it will be broken.
2: I think you get to the point where you realize stop making these. Right, I'm right.
3: at. I'm at the point. I'm at even past that point where I. It didn't even. It never crossed my mind to even think about making them. Your is April, that a problem?
5: No, your April twenty third resolution is much more steely than your. New Year's Eve. Mm, that's period. my
3: birthday,
4: April 23rd. Is it? That's yeah.
2: my wife's birthday, too. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. All right, Very Greg. Weird, Wes. G- now, Greg made me <laughs> self conscious,
4: so we need to drop one more football. No, no. no. The I old liked football it. head got a little I uncomfortable, a little hot under the collar. Greg, how would you rank the <laughs> hey, eight remaining quarterbacks in right. the playoffs? Oh, boy. Here, I will tell you what they are because this one is one of the ones I answered uh, for the mailbag. Here we are. You ready? Uh, one, Aaron Rodgers. Two, Tom Brady. Three, Peyton Manning. Four, no. Andrew Luck. Five, Joe Flacco, playoff version. Six, Romo. Seven, Russell Wilson. Eight, Cam Newton. And nine, Scrawny Arms, Rob Lowe.
5: Oh, man. You got Peyton Manning way too high got Russell Wilson way too low. I agree How about you with go, go
2: Rodgers, Andrew Luck, and then you just deal with the rest? Get Connor Shaw in there around number five or six. I <laughs> like this
3: playoff Flacco thought. That's yeah. interesting. The, I actually like that list. Other than I think I'd flip Manny and Luck, I might be my, in full agreement.
4: My interesting thought was that I think everyone agrees Rodgers is one or should agree, and everyone should agree that Newton's number eight on this group. You could almost mix up any of that, the rest of those guys in any order you want, and you wouldn't have an insane list.
2: Uh, with right. the Flacco thing, like I think we have to see what happens here. Because outside of one playoff trip, everyone has been a disaster in the second game to some degree. It's not like he's been this pristine guy. Well, he should
4: have went to the Super Bowl again if Justin Tucker
3: doesn't let him down and his wide receiver fair. doesn't I'm, drop he's ball. He's up
2: there. I'm not putting him low. Yeah. It's just that if I he do does it, it again, then you've got a real argument.
3: I would put him second to last. Despite the playoff stuff, now that I think about it, I still would rather have Romo this weekend or Russell Wilson this I would weekend.
5: Do. I'd have Russell Wilson pretty high. I, I'm with TD on this one. All
4: right, so that's it for Tuesday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We'll be back on Thursday with our massive, hugely important and influential <laughs> uh, divisional round preview where we break down each of the games. Uh, really a deep breakdown. TD's excited about it. He's going to tell the Coaches show all about it, I'm sure. <laughs> so until then thank you for everyone that listens and everyone that sent in their questions we love you this is dan hansa signing off for quiet storm the mailman the boss and Tay Day behind the glass till thursday
0: you go into your shower feeling tired